That smooth Christian jazz you're hearing means you've tuned in to Same Old Song, the lectionary podcast of Mockingbird Ministries. I'm your co-host, Aaron Zimmerman. I'll be joined by Jacob Smith as each week we break down the lectionary readings for the upcoming Sunday. To give you something to think about, and if you're a preacher, to give you something to preach about, and no matter who you are, to give you a connection to the never-changing message of God's grace for actual people like you. Unzip that monogrammed faux leather Bible carrying case and cover, pull up a chair, and let's dig in. Well, here we are getting ready. Uh, This is going to come out on the Feast of the Epiphany or around there, but we already talked about that last week. So we're getting ready for the first Sunday after the Epiphany, the Baptism of Our Lord. We got passages from Isaiah 42, uh, Acts 10, and Matthew 3. Now, Jake, you said that you usually can go for about three days on your New Year's resolutions. Is it safe to say that you have now failed once again? Uh, yep. Well, actually, I think um, since we're recording in December, I am planning um, to enter into this competition mm. called Whole 30 uh, with some good friends um, from Sea Dog Theater. Check them out. And um, But uh, we're going to try and do the Whole 30 challenge and see how that goes. Not to impress the Lord, but so um, that I can shut off some of those winter pounds from 2017. I will say so, you look um, pretty good, Jake. Don't be too hard on yourself. Well, you know, you know, the Peloton is working. So, um, but uh, here we are, and uh, we are, the first Sunday after the Epiphany is always the baptism of our Lord. Um, And uh, this is an exciting time, and if you are a, finally the RCL in the Episcopal Church and the RCL for everyone else matches back up, uh, all all is right in the universe, and if you are... uh, if you do a baptism on this day, just grab somebody and dunk them. So, but uh, this is um, uh, a great day and a glorious celebration in the church, the baptism of our Lord. And uh, the readings always begin. We have Isaiah chapter 49, verses one through nine. Now, what you want to get out of this season is, first of all, epiphany. All of the readings here are going to revolve around how Jesus is the revelation of God's salvation to the whole world, beginning with Israel and then to all the Gentiles. And so you're going to see that theme running through all the readings, and that should be um, an underlying theme of your sermons, that Jesus is the revelation of salvation to the whole world. That actually means Yeah, good work. Jacob. Uh, and so in this uh, beginning passage, Isaiah 42, you've got um, uh, really, su- yeah. He speaks the servant, about the servant. Who is, yeah. Again, we're going to find out in the reading from Matthew 3 uh, that the servant is Jesus Christ. Obviously, you probably were already aware of that, but this is... <laughs> Surprise! This is a passage, <laughs> this is a passage the epiphany. about uh, this servant, this Messiah that is to come. And so what does Isaiah tell us about this servant, Jake? Well, uh, it, it opens up talking about, and he says, uh, "Here is my servant." And this is being this servant is being contrasted uh, with the idols mentioned in the previous chapter. But uh, he is first of all uh, the servant who Yahweh is going to uphold, who Yahweh has chosen, and who uh, in who delights Yahweh's soul, and uh, um, and uh, that he has put his spirit upon him and to do something very important that is to bring forth justice to the nations. And in doing that, it's very interesting. He will not cry or lift up his voice. He's not going to mum, 
He's not going to give a mumble in word. And then it goes on to say what he's actually going to do. And what is that, Aaron? That really speaks to you. And the gospel is right there in those passages. Yeah, so verse 3, verses 2 and 3 here, he will not cry or lift up his voice, a bruised reed he will not break, presents a picture of somebody who is gentle and humble. Uh, But the Mm. thing that I love here is verse 3, a bruised reed he will not break, a dimly burning wick he will not quench. Now, Boy, that's good news. And it sounds... Old Testament-y and poetic, and it will go over the head of your congregation, but you could, and I have, preached a sermon on this passage, that verse, and it is industrial strength, high test, 150-proof gospel. A bruised reed, so a reed is exactly that, a reed, like a little kind of grass that would grow along a river or a very wet area, and it's they would dry them out and use them as straws because they're hollow in the middle. They would sometimes weave things out of them. But to work, they have to be strong. If it has been bruised, basically squished or crushed, I mean, think about the straw after you've chewed on it and it breaks open in the middle. You can't use it anymore. Um, And it's really not worth doing anything with. Just kind of toss it out. Um, And a dimly burning wick, this is talking about an oil lamp, uh, a little clay device or metal device with a wick that draws on the oil and burns. And if it's dimly burning, it's just filling your house with smoke. It's not creating a lot of light. It, you need to replace it. It's sort of worn out. Um, and yet, so basically saying two completely useless things that the world would say needs to be tossed out. God looks at those things and says, oh, I still like it. I'm going to keep it. And so this is God looking at you who, uh, again, by January 12th, uh, unless you're Jacob Smith, you failed at your news resolutions and you feel like a dimly burning wick or a bruised mm. reed and and God does not give up hope. God does not abandon you or whatever it is in your life that makes you feel sort of less than, worthless, uh, etc. God looks at you with compassion, not judgment. And that's what this is about. A bruised reed, a worthless thing, he, he'll not <clears throat> throw it out. And like God has a heart for those that are the least and the last and the lost. And, and, you know, we think of that being a Jesus New Testament sort of thing, but clearly you see this here in the Hebrew scriptures. Uh, and this is the idea. And this is what we see when Jesus comes on the scene. So talk to the yeah, bruised I, reeds and the dimly burning wicks in your congregation and say that God right. loves them too. And assure them that the new thing God is doing is not new things for you to do, but the fact the new thing is, is that Jesus has fulfilled the law and it's all done in him. The new thing is the gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not new discoveries or new revelations or how God's changing. No, the new thing is is, is the gospel and uh, that now uh, you relate to God not on what you do, but you relate to God on what he has done for you. And uh, those former things have all come to pass and a new thing I now declare, the prophets Isaiah says, and that is the epiphany that is fulfilled in Jesus. And that actually uh, St. Paul talks about in our reading from Acts chapter 10, verses 34 well, through 43. St. Peter, let me correct you, oh. Jake. Oh, you got me. Ooh. You got me. You know, so we're recording this for <laughs> several episodes today, and our listeners may remember a few weeks back in podcast listener time when Jake caught me in a biblical error, a, a slip of the tongue. Uh, and yeah, I just, yeah. Yours it, was far more extreme. <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> I had an egregious error. Yours was just to get your saints whose names start with P mixed up. Uh, Peter, Paul, Philip, anybody can do it. It's totally understandable. Yeah. Priscilla. <laughs> okay. So, but this is a very powerful passage, and uh, here Peter is uh, speaking, and uh, 
And uh, really, he basically, it's the same message uh, in Peter's day as it should be today. Uh, this is uh, Peter's uh, wonderful, wonderful sermon at, uh, I believe, the Council of Jerusalem. Uh, is this the one where he was like up on the roof of the church for a month on a bed? Yeah, with yeah his absolutely. With a sermon series on sex and marriage. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> the New Testament didn't believe in preacher gimmicks? Oh, my bad. Yeah, no, sorry. Same old, no. And this isn't, uh, you know, this isn't, um, yeah. You, I'm stumped. That's such a <laughs> that actually happened. Okay, so yeah, this is uh, in the middle of the no. Book this of is Acts. and this isn't. Yeah, no, I'm not going to say it. Never yeah, mind. We we'll lose do listeners. Don't so, do it. Anyway. We've already. We've got five left. We're we're losing. <laughs> restraint, it. restraint. But I want to say something so bad. I'll tell you after the show. Woo! So <laughs> secret gnosis for me. Uh, sorry, Secrets. listeners. Yeah. Um, so this is um, this is uh, Peter preaching uh, to. People, uh, at, like the gent, like the whole passage is the gospel has really begun to hit the Gentiles. This is after the Acts seven dispersion of mm-hmm. all, you know, after the persecution of Stephen um, and Peter. This is right after the thing with the sheet Cornelius, coming down yeah. with mm-hmm. uh, the animals, the unclean animals, and God tells Peter to eat the eat the hot dogs, the non kosher hot dogs covered in chili and cheese. Uh, to eat all the unclean animals. And basically, God is obliterating the dividing lines between Jews and Gentiles, and <clears throat> which again is yeah. the theme of the epiphany. The gospel is for everybody, not just the yeah. Jews. And so Cornelius, this uh, Roman, hears the message and his whole family gets converted. And um, and it's this... Yeah, I, yeah. And I made another, I made another error. This is Thank you. I didn't want to bring attention to it. I know so it. I I, sorry, sorry, sorry. But uh, this is the um, uh, this title should be called Jake begs for forgiveness. But anyway, <laughs> Jake doesn't know Jack about the Bible. But anyway, this is um, biblically this is, uh, Jake walks you through the Bible. <laughs> the opposite of so like, McGee. I mean, where does Moses come in here? No, uh, Peter is talking because he's got some companions who are Jewish that are like, what the heck is going on here? And uh, these companions that have come with them to Joppa, and uh, they're like, what's going on? And then this is Peter's explanation. This is Peter's sermon to them. And they wanted to know what Peter was doing. And so he just basically lays it out. He says, truly, God shows no partiality. But in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. Now, what is that doing right? Um, Well, uh, it's believing in this now, this message. You know, the message he sent to the people of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. I mean, this is it. Mm. This is the this is the gospel encapsulated. And, uh, you know, just um, build your sermons off of this. Go back to 10, 34 through 43 in the book of Acts all the time. And he finally says, all the prophets testify about him, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. And uh, that is really the um, fearful bruised reed, smoldering wick, New Year's resolution failure needs to hear that their sins have been forgiven in Jesus' name. Yep. Uh, give them that. That is a great word. And this passage, the reason the lectionary chooses it is because Peter in a sermon mentions Jesus' baptism in verse 38. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And that's a reference to the baptism uh, that we're going to read about in the gospel passage for today and is the main thing for this uh, this day in the church. Um, but the, the whole point of Jesus's ministry, and, and Peter puts a lot of it in there, uh, the, that he, um, he went about t- healing people who are oppressed by the devil, 
but very quickly he gets to the main thing. They put yeah. him to death by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him on the third day. So the death and resurrection of Christ, the passion is central. And again, if your sermon does not reference, allude to, acknowledge the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, uh, again, we've, you've missed the mark because as Paul says, I preach Christ and him crucified. Yeah, you're not you're not preaching and a sermon. So, uh, and then, yeah. yeah, I hear that all the time from a lot of our colleagues, and um, you know, I love our colleagues, uh, but some of them are profoundly wrong. Um, you <laughs> cannot get away from you cannot get away from the atonement, and you cannot get away from the crucifixion. Um, we preach Christ and Him crucified. That's the message of the apostles, uh, the eternally crucified one for our sins and our transgressions, and really. You know, that is, this is where people are at, especially in New Year's, like this, so, this so close to the early part of the year, is that everybody, you're going to have someone in your congregation who's sitting in the shower at like seven in the morning or drinking a cup of coffee by themselves, wishing if only they had done this, then this would have happened. And uh, guess what? You can say, uh, there's one who has died on a tree for that. Mm. And, um, and you are forgiven um, by faith in his name. That message from St. Peter is still as relevant as it was then as it is today. And give your people that. Uh, don't, don't try and sidestep it. Uh, nobody is coming to church just to because they want to be nice. And if they are, they won't stay long. Um, they're coming because they need forgiveness and mm -hmm. give it to them. Yeah, and this is this is the thing. Peter hits this very hard, and you mentioned it already, verse 43. The the point, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. This is what we are in the business of doing. We are the local forgiveness dispenser in your context, and people have come mm -hmm. to you for exactly that. And there's a lot of movement to move away from always including the confession of sin in the yeah. in the Sunday services. Um, the Book of Common Prayer makes it optional on far too many Sundays, in my opinion. And and um, and I realized that the people who wanted to remove it felt like, oh, it's too heavy. It's we're just shaming people, and it's and no. You're not shaming anyone. You're just helping them be honest. Uh, it's like when you go to an AA meeting and the first thing you say is, hi, I'm Susan and I'm an alcoholic. Um, mm -hmm. it's, it's letting people, giving them language to be honest about the thing that is true in their life, which is that they are a human being, which means they make suboptimal decisions every single day and can't seem to get it together, at least not in every way they'd like to. They can't get in control of their emotions. They can't get in control of their thoughts. They, they know they're doing wrong. And if you remove the confession, you're denying them the opportunity to deal with reality in their life. And you also deny them the opportunity to feel forgiven, to feel absolved, which is the number one thing. You want people to leave church feeling like they've taken a bath, not like they've just been told more things to do. So uh, you want them leaving so fresh and so clean, clean, and just bathing and basking and glorying in the forgiveness. And that's what Peter gives them. He says, like, look, we're not going to keep the Gentiles out because we're all saved by grace, basically. Jesus has died for everybody, and everybody gets to come in. And this is the point of the whole thing. So so mm -hmm. on this Sunday about the baptism of our Lord, uh, you want people leaving uh, feeling that like that. That's right. And if you got and an so actual baptism, you can, I mean, it's like, case study. I mean, it's an illustration right there. Boom. Do it. Yeah. And so then we have our uh, gospel from Matthew. And so uh, Matthew chapter three, verses 13 through 17. Uh, you know, one of the first things, so you have Jesus and um, he comes down to the Galilee and there John, John is on the banks of the Jordan and uh, Jesus takes a dip right into the water and it shocks John. 
Um, Matthew literally says that John would have prevented him. Um, and, uh, and why? Because John realizes who he is in light of the Messiah. And he says, I need to be baptized by you and you come to me. But Jesus answers him, let it be so now, for it's proper that we fulfill all righteousness. And this is the key to understanding what's going on here. This isn't the place where you make your case for adult baptism, because you will lose it every time. Um, this John's baptism was not a Christian baptism. Uh, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. And so here... Why is Jesus being? Why is Je- how is Jesus fulfilling all repentance here, Aaron? Yeah, and you definitely. And, and I'll, I'll let, before I answer your question, I feel like I'm a presidential debater. Good question, Jake. But I'd rather talk about. Um, <laughs> so the thing that um, is, you want your congregation to get here is how weird it is that Jesus is being baptized. Yeah. Like they will have heard this passage read to them, and they'll be like, oh, "It's a Bible passage. That sounds good. Sounds legit." But what you need to point out to them is why would the sinless son of God need to get baptized? Mm-hmm. Um, because as you said, this is a baptism of repentance. All these people are coming to John to get baptized, to basically get right with the Lord. They, they're, they're repenting. They're asking for forgiveness. Um, and it's a symbolic and ritual washing. Uh, and, um, and so why would perfect sinless Jesus need to get baptized what did what did he do and the the answer is nothing he didn't do anything but what he's doing here is he's taking our place the whole thing where we talk about jesus uh you know we say he's dying he died for our sins or he takes our place like it began at the incarnation him becoming a human being born under the law as paul says in galatians but it continues here as he uh gets in the water with a bunch of sinners he, he's like, I want to stand with them. I want to identify with them. When you look at this crowd of sinners, I don't want you to see me standing off clean and in my shining white garment over there looking down on them. I need to get in the mud. And so it's visually, if you talk about it, it's a very powerful image uh, of what's going on here because the Jordan is not some beautiful, clean flowing Montana trout fly fishing stream. <laughs> the Jordan is this like muddy river uh, running through scrubby land oftentimes. And so you can talk about Jesus getting into the mud with sinners, uh, not standing on the bank, all keeping his toes dry. So this is what is happening here. The reason he's getting baptized is so that he can identify with us and enter into the fullness of sinful human existence, not as one who is a sinner, but one who takes our place. And this is this is why uh, this scene, um, along with the crucifixion and resurrection, is mentioned in um, every gospel um, yep. because it is it is that critical. Jesus is identifying with us, fulfilling all righteousness, identifying with us in every way. Yeah, and, um, and Christmas uh, so, is not mentioned in every gospel, but yeah. this one is. So here he is. He's exchanging. He's exchanging in this moment. I mean, a powerful way. Like I mean, his cleanness for our uncleanness. Um, his righteousness for our unrighteousness. And uh, this drives us ultimately to the cross. And you see when he comes up out of this water, the heavens are opened. And this very, um, very um, beautiful, beautiful Italian uh, Rococo scene hmm. of Jesus coming up and the dove landing on him. But you hear these words, this is my son, my beloved, with whom I'm well pleased. And really, as we go down into the waters of baptism as well, um, um, and we come up out of it, and we are uh, sealed by the Holy Spirit and marked as Christ's own forever. Those words are spoken over you. Uh, that promise is given to you because Jesus has fulfilled all righteousness for our beh- on our behalf. 
Yeah, exactly. And if you need an illustration for this passage, there's lots of good ones out there. One that comes to me, to my mind, is from uh, uh, Brennan Manning's story, uh, The Ragman. And I think this is in the Ragamuffin Gospel, but I could be mixing it up. But it's a story he writes about a guy who's sort of this like trash uh, picker. Um, and, uh, he's in this, uh, or like who's this, like basically a, a representation of a sinful person. He's, he's covered in bandages and all these things. And he meets this person and who says, let me take those bandages from you. And he, every time he takes a bandage off of the person, the person is healed and he puts it on himself. And, uh, by the end, the Christ figure is covered in these bandages. He has the wounds and the person who who before was kind of covered in these things is now healed and whole and, mm. and all that. And so that's, what's going, Jesus is entering into your, Jesus is taking your, by getting the water, he's taking on uh, the, the bandages and wounds of your own sinfulness. Um, and in doing so making it so that you are cleaned and healed. And so, yeah. Mm. And again, if you can do a baptism, start, start, uh, get, he, fill up the font and, uh, and get ready. Cause it's a great yep. way to illustrate that. Mm. Well, that is a, that's a great place for us to kind of, uh, I think, a great place to end. So remember, preach like Peter. <laughs> yep, not like Jacob Smith. Yeah, that's right. Oh! We'll, ooh. Okay. No, uh, do preach like Jacob Because Jake preaches no, no. like Peter. No. Uh, but uh, we will see you all next week and uh, for a, another wonderful episode of The Same Old Song. Bye. Thanks for listening to Same Old Song, and we hope you found some nuggets that will be helpful either in your preaching or just in your life. If you like what you heard, we would love it if you could leave a rating or review on iTunes. Dave's all will be sad if you don't. We'd like to thank the Narrativo Group for audio production. Keep that Bible by your bedside, ready to rock and roll.